Yo, Bridge Youth, how we feeling tonight? Man, you look better than you sound. Can I just say, look at your neighbor say, you look good. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second. Tell them, you also look good, even though I chose you second for whatever reason. So, hey, one more time. How you feeling tonight, Bridge Youth? Now you sound as good as you look. Hopefully you smell good as well. Um, I don't know after the, can I just ask, what keeps happening in the front middle? People just keep falling. I don't know. We're trying to provide, me and Eli, one of our youth leaders, we're trying to provide a barrier. <laughs> it's funny. You guys are crazy. You're so much fun. We have the coolest drummer in the whole world playing with us tonight. Our guy Mike came and jumped for us tonight. Um, Hey, can we just really quick, can we just say thank you to our worship team? I don't know how much you know. They put in so much work. They're so cool. Look how Marco walks. Man, I want to be as cool as you when I grow up, Marco. Man. Hey, I'm really excited that you chose to come and to hang out with us tonight. One of our favorite things in the whole world is meeting new people. Um, I met a couple new people already tonight who's here joining us for the very first time. Don't worry, we're not going to point you out or make you stand up or make you raise your hand or anything like that. We just want to say welcome. We're just so stoked that um, in your busy week, you chose to spend some of your time with us. We think that that's so, so, so cool. Um, something that never gets old for us is how we welcome our guests every single week. We like to welcome our guests by saying, <clears throat> we are here to build you up, not yeah, and you don't have to believe to belong here. We're so excited that you chose to come and join us tonight. Hey, John chapter 3, if you have a Bible tonight, open your Bible to John chapter 3. Tonight we're continuing in our series entitled, Who, everybody say, Who is God? If there is a, if there is like a, the most important question in life that you could ask, this is it. Who is God? And um, last week before last, we weren't here last week, and if you don't think that um, sweet potatoes with marshmallows on top is the best side on Thanksgiving, you're just wrong, and I will give an altar call at the end of this service so you could give your life to Jesus and repent of your sinful ways. Uh, <laughs> um, but we were not here last week. We were, we were celebrating um, Thanksgiving, but week before last, I laid the foundation of this series, and it's really two... Um, two big thoughts, two big ideas that, that have been in my heart and my mind, and I was like, this is how we need to end 2021. And, he, and here they are. Um, just so you know, they're, they're kind of like intellectually up here, but I know Bridge Youth is filled with intellectuals, and you guys are sharp, and you're intelligent, and you, you is smart, and you is kind, and you is all of those things. Um, but here they are. If you weren't here two weeks ago, write this down. If you were here two weeks ago, um, like rewrite it over the notes you've already taken. Here it is. We don't get to decide who God is. We only get to discover who God is. I've been married for over 12 years now. 12 years I've been married to this woman, Cruella DeVille. I'm just kidding. Uh, Amber White. Um, and, and in 12 years, I'm still discovering who Amber is, but I don't get to decide who Amber is. I don't get to go to Amber and be like, Amber, you are a five-star cook. Now you need to make me a big old dinner every single night. <sighs> I don't get to do that. My wife would be like, I'll make you a fantastic bowl of macaroni and cheese. Okay, like neither of us are cooks. Um, but I, I do get to discover who she is in the same way with God. 
God is who he is, and we don't get to decide who he is. We only get to discover who he is. That's number one. Number two is this. Even though we can't know God exhaustively, we can know him accurately. I know there's a couple big words in there. Exhaustively means completely. We'll never know all there is to know about God. He's too big. He's too amazing. He's too phenomenal. He's so massive. In fact, if we could completely understand God, he would not be God. And, but God is God, and he's so amazing, and he's so phenomenal, and he's so uh, uh, big that we can't know him exhaustively. But we can know, and we should know him accurately. Just in the same way as one of your friends. You can't know everything there is to know about them, but you can know things about them that are true. For example, my wife, she types only with one finger on her left hand, and I just discovered that two weeks ago, and it blew my mind. I walked into her office, and she's typing like this. It's like, what are you doing, Amber? She's like, sending an email. Why? And I was like, no reason. So you can't, you, you can't know anybody completely, but you can know them accurately, and it's the same way with God. And so we're going to dig into this tonight. Um, I, brought back, I brought back the homie Sharky. Who met Sharky two weeks ago? Come on, be nice to my... Be, guys, guys, seriously, Sharky has stage fright, so um, come on. Can we just show some love to Sharky? He's real nervous up here. You guys, Sharky, Sharky is a three-foot great white. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about great white sharks, who are my favorite shark. Tonight, we're going to talk about my second favorite shark, the bull shark. Bull sharks are really, really, really cool. They're cool sharks. Um, bull sharks, for many, Sharky is not a bull shark, but that is his cousin, along with... Uh, along with tiger sharks, who are known as the trash can of the sea. Fun fact, because they'll eat just about anything. Uh, but bull sharks, bull sharks is, are known as one of the most dangerous of all sharks. In fact, a lot of marine biologists consider them the most dangerous of all sharks, in part because of how aggressive they are. Bull sharks are, like, always ticked off, like, 24-7, and they're kind of no-nonsense. If you're around a bull shark, it's not a matter of if it's going to bite you, it's when. Bull sharks are very aggressive creatures. Most sharks are just, like, really curious creatures. Bull sharks are very aggressive creatures. So that's one of the reasons they're super dangerous. Um, another reason that they're super, super dangerous is because of all sharks that we've recorded the strength of their bite. Proportionately, bull sharks have the strongest bite of all sharks that we've recorded the strength of their jaws. But there's one unique thing about bull sharks that makes them incredibly dangerous and this is why a lot of marine biologists think that they're the most dangerous of all sharks. Not their aggression, not the strength of their bite, but the fact that they are the only shark of the entire shark species that can travel between salt and fresh water freely. See, you thought that you were safe in the lake and the river. You thought you were safe in your swimming pool and your bathtub. Think again. <laughs> You're safe in your bathtub, okay? Um, but bull sharks can actually swim between fresh and salt water freely. All marine life actually have a salt level content in their body, and they have to keep that level regulated. But most of all marine life, they don't have the ability to control the regulation of that salt level. And actually, bull sharks are the only shark that can do that. And so it makes them really dangerous because a lot of humans swim in lakes and in, well, well, I get, do any lakes connect to the ocean? Most rivers do. Well, here's some crazy stuff. Um, there was actually a bull shark that was once caught 1,000 miles up the Mississippi River. 
a thousand miles up the Mississippi, Mississippi River near Alton, Illinois. Imagine getting attacked by a shark in Alton, Illinois, and be like, well, how did they die in Illinois? Probably like a tornado. Maybe they went cow tipping, and it wasn't a cow. It was a bull. Did a tractor run them over? No. Shark attack. You darn bull sharks. Here's something crazy. Uh, There was once a bull shark caught swimming 2,485 miles up the Amazon River. Did you catch that? 2,500 miles from the ocean, there was a bull shark that was caught. This is actually totally blows my mind. Um, Scientists have actually found bull sharks and hippos fighting up some of the waterways of Africa. Could you imagine, like, that, like, that sounds like the YouTube videos where they paired up two animals to fight and they, like, punch the numbers into, like, a, a, a computer and say, well, this animal would beat this animal, kind of like they did with superheroes, and then they had Superman beat Goku, which is absolute cap. Goku would destroy Superman. That's no, okay, now I'm just showing my nerdiness. Thank you, just, uh, just showing my nerdiness. But they've actually seen bull sharks fighting hippos. That is so crazy to me. Um, who's ever seen the movie Jaws? So in the movie Jaws, the, 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 uh, the shark is, what kind of shark? Do you guys know? It's a great white. It's depicted as a great white shark. And, and if you didn't know, um, the movie Jaws was actually inspired by a series of shark attacks that happened in 1916 um, in, along the New Jersey shore. And there was five people who were attacked by a shark, and uh, the first of which was a swimmer that was bitten off the coast of New Jersey's Long Beach Island. Five days later, um, a bell captain lost both of his legs in a shark attack in Spring Lake, and he passed away from his injuries. Um, further north, a young boy was playing in uh, what was called Matawan Creek. A creek? A boy was playing in a creek, and he was attacked by a shark. A man jumped into the water to try to help save the kid, and he was also attacked by the shark, and both of them tragically passed away. Um, Just a mile downstream, less than 30 minutes later, a teenager was attacked by the same shark. He was the only one of the five victims to survive. So these, these attacks, just because of how many people were attacked and, and, and because of uh, the kind of nature of the attacks, they all, everybody assumed that it was a great white. But that's because they didn't yet know, marine biology hadn't yet figured out what we know, that only bull sharks can travel between fresh and salt water. And so even though Jaws depicted the shark as a great white, the real culprit was a bull shark. And I don't know about you, but I nerd out over that stuff, obviously. Does anybody else think sharks are so cool? I think sharks are so cool, man. Anybody else? Who, who would go into a shark cage to see some sharks? Let's go. Who would be, of all of you crazy people like me, who would be tempted to just get out of that cage and go swim with the sharks? Because I know I would. Come on, they're naturally friendly creatures. Am I right? Am I right? That's bull shark. And tonight, what I want to dig into is, is something called tension. Everybody say tension. Anybody else just... Got tension in your shoulders? Okay, everybody face this way. This is your one chance, you guys. Give the person in front of you a little massage, back rub, rub their shoulders, get the tension out. All right, go the other way. Give them, give them a back massage back, get the tension out. <laughs> All the extroverts right now are like, yeah, come on, let's go. All the introverts are like, don't touch me. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> you want some tension? Try to touch my shoulders. You'll be real tense real quick. Tonight, I want to talk about tension. Somebody say tension. 
I want to talk about tension just in the way that most marine life cannot deal with the tension of going between salt and fresh water. I think it's the same way with most people that they can't deal with some of the tensions of God's character. Because remember, we don't get to decide who God is. We only get to discover who God is. And recently I was at a, uh, um, a pastors and leaders conference and I was challenged with this idea, this thought, um, because they were talking about how a lot of young people, um, they can't really handle the theological tensions that present themselves in scripture. And, and this is actually a direct quote of the guy who was speaking at the, uh, the conference. He said this, he said we, because he's talking to a group of pastors, leaders, and preachers. He said we need to be Christians and pastors who create Christians who can handle theological tension. Because here's my hope for you. Wherever you go in life as you're going off to college, where's class of 2022? <laughs> class of 2022 is funny because they're like, yeah, uh, in the world, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll intentionally get held back for a year or something. <laughs> Um, wherever you go in life, I want you to be able to deal with some of the theological tensions that will be presented to you. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Sermon in a sentence. You go, write this down. Learn to live in the tension. Learn to live in the tension. Like the bull shark that can swim between fresh and salt water. Learn to live in the tension. All right, John chapter 3, verse number you guessed it, 16. We're going to dig into the most famous verse in all of the Bible. We're going to jump into a couple of the other verses after just because I think they're so rad and they help give us context. But um, right now, would you just stand in the honor of the reading of God's word real quick? You didn't know it's leg day, but it is. Here we go. John chapter 3, verse 16. We're going to go down to verse number 21. Here's what it says. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave. Somebody say, he gave. It's going to be important later. He gave. What did he give? He gave his one and only son so that everyone. Who? Who? Look at your neighbor. Say, that means you. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second. Say, surprisingly, that means you. <laughs> your second neighbor, man, leave them alone. Quit bullying your second neighbor. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, not to judge the world. Contrary to popular belief, God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but rather to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it in fear that their sins will be exposed. Verse 21, the last verse. But those who do right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Before you sit down, let's pray. God, would you speak to us tonight? We want to get to know you more. And God, please, 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 pretty, 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 please, just like we beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, help us to beat the Washington football team this Sunday. Of course, I'm talking about you blessing your team, the Las Vegas Raiders. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Grab a seat. Hey, have you ever, um, have you ever lost your wallet or your purse or your backpack? Who, who's ever lost their wallet, their purse, or their backpack? Do you remember the, you remember the feeling when you realized it was lost? That like, 
oh my God. Like, isn't it such a like, like gut-wrenching feeling when you realize it? Um, so last week we didn't have youth and connect groups all got together and they're hanging out and, and, and we got together with a handful of our students, uh, volleyball players, and we were at the park and we played volleyball. And after that we went to Canes and so we went and got Canes and um, I carry a, a, um, a Merce, a man purse. You might ask Corey, what's the difference between a purse and a Merce? There's no, there's no difference. <laughs> it's just a, I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's just a purse. Uh, so I carry a little like, a, like a, but it has a Harley Davidson pin on it, okay? It, has a, it actually has a Harley Davidson owner's pin because if you don't know, your boy does drive a Harley Davidson because I had to do something manly with my life. So I, 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 had, I, I had my purse. We went to Cane's. I sat on the high top table and I took it and I put it on the back of the chair behind me. Um, I went with one of our youth leaders, Zay, because my wife is crazy and goes to spin class 47 times a day. And so she went to spin um, to go get her workout in, and it's over by Kane. So she went to go pick me up after. Zay, while we're in Kane's, like, hey, I'm going to take off. I said, no problem. I left some stuff in your car. Let me go grab it. I go to grab it, all of this. And then um, I'm expecting to go back inside to go hang out with everybody still. But as I'm heading back towards Kane's, after getting my stuff and putting it into my car, everybody's already coming out. So I just stay outside and say goodbye to everybody there. We get in the car. We leave. Well, the next day, my family came over for Thanksgiving. My mom was like, hey, Corey, take me, take me on a ride on your motorcycle. And I was like, sure thing, mom. No problem. And so I'm like, come on. Let's, uh, here's your helmet. Here's your jacket. I said, let me just grab my wallet. <gasps> like, you know the moment when you realize, like, like, literally right then and there, I was like, yeah, no problem. Let me, let me go grab my wallet. <gasps> and in my head, I could literally see my purse hanging, hanging on the back of the chair at Kane's. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Amber, go check the bank accounts. Because here was what, in, what was in my wallet. My ID was in my driver's license was in my wallet. My debit card was in my wallet. My Kaiser medical card was in my wallet. I had a credit card that was in my wallet. I had another credit card that was in my wallet. My church credit card was in my wallet. And I began to freak out. So I call Canes, totally forgetting that it's 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving and they're closed. So I had to sleep on the fact that I didn't know if they had my purse or not. There were no charges on our account, so I said, let's wait till the next morning. Wait until the next morning. I call them before they open. A nice lady answers the phone. I have to explain to her why I have a purse. And then I'm like, do you have it? And they're like, let me go check. She leaves. She comes back. She goes, yeah, we have it. Yes! <laughs> Praise God in heaven. Here's the problem. I was going uh, golfing because you're boy is like the white tiger woods. So I'm going golfing um, with Eric, who's on our security team. Eric's the type that like wants to get there 10 minutes before tea time. And I just feel rushed. And I'm like, no, no, no. But I'm riding with him. He's picking me up from my house. And then so I hit him up. Hey, uh, what time do you want to head to golf? And he's like, oh, I was thinking we could head out at 930. Our tea time's at 11. I'm like, this is very uncharacteristic like of Eric. And Kane's opens at nine. So I'm like, Shoot, I have to run down there really quick, grab my purse, <laughs> head back, and then be ready to get picked up by Eric. So here's what I do. I get in my car, open my garage. Um, I go to back out. As I'm backing out of my garage, I hear, Grrr! what had happened was sometimes when it's cold, my garage won't open all the way. So what I have to do is I have to hit the button again, and then I'll open the rest of the way. 
But the weird thing is that, that usually it'll open halfway. And when I look in my rear view mirror, that's really hard for me to say. Everybody say rear view mirror. Okay, it's hard for you to say too. <laughs> it opens halfway and I can see it in my rear view mirror. This time it opened more than halfway, enough to not be able to be seen in my rear view mirror, but still closed enough to catch my shark fin antenna and rip it off the roof of my brand new Volkswagen SUV because I was in such a rush to go get my Merce from Cane's. So I get out of the car, I look, there's a big old hole in the roof of my car now, and there's an antenna that's just sitting on the roof of my car. I'm like, awesome. I get the antenna, I throw it in my car, I drive down to Cane's, I get my Merce, I get back in the car, what's the first thing I'm going to do? Obviously, I'm going to look in my Merce, into my wallet, and check and make sure everything's there. And everything was there. It was such a weird day. I was like, okay... My shark fin antenna got ripped off the roof of my car, but my identity wasn't stolen. So I guess we're back at level par. I guess I just have to take both. And so it is with the character of God. <laughs> See what I did there? I'm a preacher. You guys, this is what I do for a living. <laughs> no, seriously, glory to God, you guys. <laughs> so it is with the character of God. There's often two tensions that you have to learn to live in. Our first point tonight, write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, you're either going to lose your wallet or the antenna on your car is going to get ripped off, okay? <laughs> well, then you're going to lose your wallet. There you go. <laughs> or take notes in church. Those are, the, those, are the, uh, the, those are the stipulations. All right, write this down. Love and holy. Love and holy. Antenna ripped off of car, but my identity wasn't stolen. Bull sharks can swim in both fresh and salt water. God is love, but he's also holy. And we need to learn to accept and embrace both. Let's jump back over to John 3.16. Because I think um, what I want to do is I want to approach John 3.16 like a lot of people approach John 3.16. Or how a lot of people want to approach John 3.16. Because I think it will put into some context what we're talking about here. Here's what it says. Um, we have a, a John 3.16 slide here. For this is how some people will approach John 3.16. For this is how God loved the oh, I love that. He loved the world. It's so great. So I don't know about you. I just love to be loved, you know. Just when someone loves me, I love that. And I don't know, I always love them. Like, oh, I don't know. About them. But loving me, I love when God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. I'm good with, I love, we love that, don't we? Like, God loves me, God gives, he's generous to me, blessings in my direction, absolutely love. Let's keep going so that everyone who believes, oh, believe, I don't, you gotta have faith in like belief. Like, yeah, but what about all those people who, who don't believe? Like, I mean, they're cool. Like, oh, my, my cousin Ricky, he's a cool dude. But he doesn't believe. So I don't know. Let's just, let's just get rid of that part really quick. That everyone who believes in him and will not perish. And I don't like any of that. So jump over to the next slide. Let's just, let's just do this really quick. Boom. Boom. There we go. 
who have eternal life. I love that too. Eternal life, that's dope. Get to live forever. Come on, like Edward Cullen, I love it. I'm all about that, eternal life. So this is how so many people will approach and, and read and want to read John 3, 16. They'll go, so this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son and we have eternal life. Isn't that great? But that's not what John 3.16 says, is it? Yet that's how so many people approach it, is that, well, I want God to love me, and I want God to give his son, and I want the eternal life, but we don't want to believe, and we don't want to have faith, and we definitely don't want to believe that anybody ever would perish. Here's the thing. Write this down if you're taking notes. It's really hard to hear God's voice when you've already decided what you want him to say. I know it is, Marco. They just need to realize that it's good. It's really hard to hear God's voice when you've already decided what you want him to say. When you've painted a picture of who you think God is, and then you go to the Bible and you stumble across something that you're like, oh, well, that's not really the God I believe in. The God you believe in, I'm sorry, sweetheart, with all due respect, is irrelevant because God is who he is, and we don't get to decide who God is. We only get to discover who God is. But this is so important because so much of the world is trying to do this. They're trying to have a God that's all love, but he's not holy. Because everybody loves to be loved, but a holy God, oh, the only time we like to hear the word holy is when Justin Bieber is singing it about his wife. <laughs> and we don't really like the word holy. Well, God is both Love and he's holy. But what does the word holy mean? Because I know that for most people in the room, you probably have uh, just a slightly different view of what the word holy means. We think holy is like, oh, he's, they're so perfect. They're so phenomenal. They have a halo over their head. But the word holy actually just means literally set apart. Set apart. See, God is set apart. Sin is over here and God is over here. God is set apart from sin. Can I help you guys be super intellectual for a second? Like really, really smart? Here's what I'm going to do. If anybody comes around and they want to talk about theology or doctrine or scripture or the Bible or anything, here's a like word that you need to throw out. You ready? Hermeneutics. Everybody say hermeneutics. So you don't even have to go to Bible school anymore. I just, I just gave you Bible school right there. That's it. Save your $80,000 and just walk around using the word hermeneutics, okay? Uh, what's the word hermeneutics? It's a really fancy way of, of saying the correct way to interpret the Bible. See, when you go to the Bible, when you go to Scripture, it's the correct way to read the Bible. And there's rules to hermeneutics. And the number one, the golden rule of hermeneutics is this. Scripture interprets scripture. Scripture interprets scripture. See, you should never build huge opinions and theologies based on one singular verse that you pull out of context. What you need to look at is uh, uh, scripture, biblical themes, cover to cover, and when you stumble across something, I just want to encourage you, if you stumble across something that always, it seems a little bit weird, it's like, I don't really see, I don't know that I've ever seen this anywhere else in Scripture, I don't know, then, then there's probably something unique going on. And what you need to do is you need to go look at other Scripture to help you understand this Scripture because Hermeneutics 101 is Scripture interprets Scripture. So we stumble upon John 3.16, for God so loved the world. But also we go over to Proverbs eleven twenty one, and it says, be sure of this, the wicked will not go unpunished. 
aren't you so glad you brought your friend to youth tonight? It's like, Corey, seriously? The wicked will not go unpunished? I brought my new friend tonight, okay? And we're going with the wicked will not go unpunished. Seriously, just get back to the jokes and the shark stats because these Old Testament scriptures here, they're leading us down a dark path, all right? But this is, this is scripture interpreting scripture. Does God so love the world? Yeah, he absolutely does. That he gave his one and only son? Yep. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life? Absolutely. And then also Proverbs eleven twenty one. Be sure of this. The wicked will not go unpunished. Why? Because God is holy. Well, what does that mean? That means God has to address sin. Here's the really good news. You guys ready for some good news? Look at your neighbor and say, want some good news? Here's some good news. In a day and age where it feels like every time you turn on the news and you get on social media and you go on your Facebook pages, because I know all of you guys are on Facebook, (laughs) when you log on to your MySpace accounts, when you jump onto Tumblr and Zanga, you don't even know what Zanga is. When you, yeah, Zanga was like the first of like social media platforms. It was terrible, but MySpace was dope. MySpace was super sick. You could like customize your own page and have a playlist, start playing music when people get onto your page. You were like, when people come to my MySpace, they're gonna know who I am. Like as an individual, <laughs> they're gonna know I love emo music. <laughs> I'm in touch with my feelings. Um, I don't even know what I was talking about. Why was that MySpace? Uh, anyways, so, so um, when it comes to like the character, the nature of God and how he is holy, he has to address sin. But here's the good news. The good news is this. He addressed sin with Jesus. That is like so much better news than you realize. Because, okay, back to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him. There's your good news. He addressed sin with Jesus. Well, what do I have to do then? Nothing. Just believe in him. No, 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 because that's not how it works. Like you have to earn everything in life. Yeah, definitely, except for this. Except for what? Oh, eternal life. Like the greatest gift that you could ever get ever throughout any, it's like what's the best gift you've ever got? Think about it right now. It sucks in comparison to heaven, paradise forever, all of eternity, like awesomeness, never ending. That's what you get if you what? Just believe in him. See, God addressed sin. Why? Because he's holy, but he's holy and has to address sin, but because he's also love at the same time, the way that he addressed sin was super loving. Is anybody else glad that God addresses sin in a loving way? Because I don't know about you, but I've sinned a lot. I've messed up a lot. I've done a lot of things that I wasn't supposed to do. I lied to my mama one time, and I took my dad's car, and I went and drove around East East Riverside. Don't tell my mom and dad, okay? They found out, and my stepdad chased me around my friend's front lawn trying to kill me, literally. You ever think your mom and dad are actually going to kill you? I thought that my dad was going to actually kill me right there. Why do you, you're so crazy, Corey. He wouldn't have killed you. Then why was he swinging on me, okay? (laughs) Because I took his car. It's like, it's the only way I can get to work, Corey. You want us to lose our house? I was like, no, my gosh, I didn't even think about it. I'm so dumb. I'm sorry. And that's how dumb I am. And yet God looking at me and how dumb I've been and all the mistakes 
I've made. Think about your darkest, worst day, the worst thing you've ever done, the worst thing you've ever thought. God sees that. God knows that. God not only knows the worst thing you've ever done, God knows the worst thing you will ever do. And seeing that, he's holy. And he goes, oh, I have to address that. I can't just let it go. I can't just overlook it. I can't just go get the spiritual proverbial broom and sweep it under the proverbial spiritual rug. No, I have to address it. But because I'm so loving and I know that you cannot address it yourself, the bill is way too high for you to pay. So what I'm going to do because I'm so loving, but I'm also holy, is I'm going to address it in a loving way. And I'm going to pay the price for you. And I don't know about you, but I'm just so thankful for that. Somebody say amen. God is both love and he's holy. Now here's the thing. When we see God as only love, we have a shallow relationship with him. But when we see God as only holy, we see him as a dictator. We have to have both. But here's the thing. We're really good with relationship, but we're really bad with reverence. This generation, you need to know this because this is important. We're really good with relationship, God, but we're really bad with reverence, God. That's why whenever we get to a verse that goes, oh, the fear of the Lord or fear God, we go, oh, no, afraid of God? I'm not afraid of God. Well, it's not, that's not the same thing. It's like, like I've driven a couple really fast cars in my life. And when you get behind the wheel of a really fast car, there's like this, this respect for the power that's there. You just know that the, the pedal all the way that way, that when that thing goes to the floor, you're going somewhere. And so there's this level of like, wow, like there's just so much. And with God, it's like, wow, you're, you're so powerful. You're so big. You're so mighty. You're so holy. So I respect you and I honor you. See, when we just think it's love, we think it's, oh, all buddy, buddy God. Like, oh, God's just my buddy, buddy. And he is, but he's also holy. So once in a while, we also get on our knees before God. And we're reverent towards him. This is why, like, you don't have to. This is just me. Please hear me. Please, 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 please hear me. You do not have to take your hat off when we pray. You don't have to. That's like, there's nothing like, like, you need to take your hat off when you pray or else God will lack. He's not going to send you to hell forever, but maybe five minutes. Like, that's not, the scripture is not. But to me, it's just one thing that I'm like, oh, man, like, when I pray, nine times out of ten, if I have a hat on, I'm just going to take it off. Just because it's a, for me personally, it's something like, I want to be reverent towards God, too. Because, yeah, he's love, but he's also holy. And I want to have that respect towards him. We need both. This is why somebody, hear me, this is why somebody who truly loves and believes in God, they struggle with sin. They don't embrace sin. Hear me? They struggle with See, we all think that struggling is a bad thing. It holds a negative connotation, right? Oh, I'm struggling. Struggling means you haven't given up. Somebody who really believes in God, they, they struggle with sin. They don't embrace sin because there's that reverence there that says, God, I know that you're holy too. And I'm not just going to walk around and go, oh, God is all love. He'll forgive everything. No, 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 no. There's also like, yeah, God is love. And he's going to forgive me. I know he will because God sent Jesus into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. But God, you are also holy. And I do not want to test your holiness. What are you saying, Corey? Here's what I'm saying. I just think that. Like, for some people in the room, what God is speaking to you right now, I love what my buddy Wyatt said. He said, man, are you going to hear from God tonight? It's not about whether or not God is going to speak. It's about whether or not we're going to listen. And I think one of the things that God is saying tonight is stop tiptoeing on the line of sin. 
stop. I, dude, I do this with the stage so much. Like, I, I come out to the edge of the stage, and I, like, hang feet over, like, I hang 10 on the edge of the stage. And if you notice once in a while, I like, kind of lose my balance, like, and I'll try to play it off. Like, I didn't almost fall off the stage right now. And I don't know why I do that. I just always kind of do, and I don't even pay attention. But, like, some of y'all, this is how you're living. It's, like, sin and not sin, and you're, like, ooh, <laughs> Mm, like how far over can I dip? Like you're playing the tightrope game between like not sinning and sin. But like the crazy thing is, is like I went to Africa one time and there was that guy, we went for a jog with a bunch of the people that were in Africa with us. And then there was a snake. And I was like, oh, watch out guys, there's a snake right here. And then there was a local guy from Africa, an African guy who was like, oh dang, a snake. And he goes and he grabs a big old boulder and he's going to kill the snake. And the dumb American me is like, oh no, the poor snake. No, don't kill the snake. So I run over and I'm like, I see the guy coming with the boulder, the boulder. Ah, like I'm gonna get you. And I'm like, no. And I run over. I was like, snake, go. And I like try to like give him a little like kick on the butt. And the thing turns around. It's like, <sighs> I was like, ah, screw you, buddy. Get him. <laughs> like, and I like kicked the snake away. And he like went into the into the bushes or whatever. When we got back to our compound where Miss Mary, Kenneth McCall, and Kevin McCall's mom was at, they told Miss Mary, Corey kicked the snake. Miss Mary came to me and said, Corey, what did the snake look like? It's like, I don't know. It was like pretty long, slender. It was like, it was black. She was like, that might have been a black mamba, Corey. It's like, what? <laughs> I don't know many snakes' names. I know every single shark in the animal kingdom, but I don't know much snakes. I know that name, though. That's not a good name. She's like, Corey, it didn't even matter if it wasn't a black mamba, because every Every snake in Africa will kill you. I was like, what? Well, I mean, the snakes of Africa owe me one, okay? So, like, I saved one of their buddies. Here's the thing. If there was a glass, a cup, a bottle of black mamba venom in front of us right now, you know what you don't do? You don't go, how much could I drink without dying? That's the stupidest question you could ask, but how many of us walk through life going, well, how much can I get to the line without sinning? Or, or how much can I sin and still get God's forgiveness? How close to the line? How far can I go? Can I tell you? I don't want to find out. Because I know God is love. But I know he's holy too. So I think one of the things that if you're listening tonight, God is talking to some people who have been tiptoeing the line of sin. I'm not talking about struggling with sin. Bro, we will struggle with sin for the rest of our lives. The Apostle Paul talked about this at the end of his life. We will struggle with sin for the rest of our lives. I'm talking about embracing sin. I'm talking about being like, this is just a part of me, part of my life. You know, those people who's like, well, don't try to change me. You either accept all of me or none of me. It's like, okay, <laughs> weirdo. <laughs> well, you do you. I'll, you do you, boo-boo. I'll do me. Well, you doing you is affecting me because your sin doesn't only affect you. It affects me too. And I don't want to see God's holiness come out and him address that sin without the love of God being covered over you through Jesus. Like Noah's Ark. God was going to flood the whole world to address sin. That's holiness. But first he said, I'm going to give you a way out. I'm going to have Noah build an ark. All you have to do is get on the ark. That's love. But people still didn't get on the ark. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're probably, many of you are thinking, oh, I just can't believe in a God that would flood the earth. Well, like it happened. 
goes in Scripture. So remember, we don't get to decide, we only get to discover. Here's the good news one more time. Now, Jesus is the ark. All you have to do is get on the ark. All right, let's move on. God is holy. God is love. Really quick, that was the longest of the points. Point number two, blessings and burdens. Blessings and burdens. Write those two words down. For this is how God loved the world. He gave. What did he do? Come on, what did he do? And we love that. God gave. Boom, right there. In the most famous verse in all of scripture, we learn something about God. He's a giver. And not only is he a giver, but he's super generous because what did he give? He gave his one and only son. You won't even give the last chip away in the bag. (laughs) But he gave away his one and only son. God is generous. Now here's the thing in the theological world, there's been two pendulum swings. I know I'm using a lot of words tonight. What's a pendulum swing? Just imagine grabbing a swing. What does it do? That's a pendulum swing, okay? Now the two pendulum swings amongst amongst the theological world has been, does God prosper and bless us? Or is following God only a life of suffering? Can I tell you that prosperity and suffering are not mutually exclusive? Does God want to bless you? Does God want to prosper you? Does God want to take care of you? Does he want blessing over your life? We talked about this in our Young Adults Connect group yesterday. I literally asked the question, um, well, the question was asked of our young adults, should we expect blessing from God? What do you guys think? Should we, this is like the moment of dialogue, not just monologue. Should Should we expect blessing from God? All the young adults who are at the group are like, like, oh, I feel like I can't say it because I, like, I kind of know the answer. Is that cheating? I don't know. I don't want to cheat in church. Like, do you get struck by lightning if you cheat in church? I'm not sure. You know you have a better chance of dying getting struck by lightning than you do attacked by a shark. So leave Sharky alone, you guys. <laughs> Here's my response. Duh. <laughs> Should we expect blessing from God? For God so Loved the world that he gave. He blessed. Should we expect blessing from God? Absolutely. Look at this verse. I love this verse. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. So if you sinful people, God, Corey, I brought my friend tonight. Cut it out. I'm sorry. It's just the scripture. If you sin, it's just saying, it's not like being super mean or anything. One version actually says, if you being evil, it's just saying, like, if you who are not perfect, like, you're not perfect. We all have sin in our life, right? If you who are sinful know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Should we expect blessing from God? Absolutely we should. I believe in a God who takes care of his kids. Come on, anybody else believe in a God who takes care of his kids? I know God's taking care of me. I know God's blessed me. I don't know if he's blessed you, but he's definitely blessed me. But the blessing does not mean that I've never walked through a burden. See, because suffering and prosperity, blessing and burdens, they're not mutually exclusive. And following Jesus often looks like stepping into a relationship with him, receiving the best blessing you could ever receive in your whole life. Eternal security, salvation, deliverance from your sin, an eternity in paradise called heaven. 
And you're like, whoa, I'm so blessed. You take another step, and it's like God just showers you in blessing. And you're like, this is so amazing. God is so good. And you take another step, and that next step is actually the most difficult season of your entire life. And it feels like your whole world falls apart. And then God, because he's so loving, comes and he strengthens you. And he gives you hope, and he sustains you. And he makes sure that you know that you're never walking through that alone. And then you take another step, and there's just such blessing. And then there's another heart. That's, that's more so what living for God looks like. It looks like blessing and burdens. It looks like God coming and giving you strength when you're going through the worst time of your life. But God also taking care of you. And not blessing you so that you could be selfish, but blessing you so not only can you live a blessed life, but you can be a blessing to those around you. See, God, I think that God will only... God will only bless you to the level at which you will be a blessing to those around you. You hoard your blessing, that's all you're ever going to have. You're generous with the blessing that God gives you, and he's going to bless you with any, even more. Why? Because he sees that you can be a conduit of blessing. A conduit's what? If electricity hits a conduit, it sends, it sends electricity in multiple directions. When blessing hits your life, does it send blessing in multiple directions, or does it stop with you? Have you ever noticed how some of life's greatest lessons are learned through some of life's most difficult storms? I think that's why James um, says in the first chapter of his letter, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That is the stupidest sentence I've ever heard in my life. Hey, going through something? Consider it pure joy. Be super stoked. Hey, girl, you date that guy for like four years? You gave him your whole heart? You love him to death. You pick out your wedding dress. Then he cheated on you with your best friend. Smile about it. <laughs> hey, dude. You plan to go to that college? You've been playing that sport since, like, before you have memory? <laughs> You've been investing your whole life towards it? You got a full-ride scholarship? You were planning on it? And then you got injured? And you lost your scholarship? Yippee. <laughs> Be super stoked, dude. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. But now he gives the reasoning why. Because you know that the testing of your faith, it produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And this is why we're able to thank God for the burdens as well, not just the blessings. Now, let me make this very, very, very clear because some people will get some of this twisted. And what will happen is they'll go through something really difficult. And they'll, they'll say something like, well, God made me get in that car accident so that I wouldn't then circle the corner over here and something worse would have happened. Wait. God is all-powerful. God could snap his fingers or God could just have, like, poof, showed up in your passenger seat and been like, sup, dude? Turn left, not right. <laughs> like, he didn't need to make you get into a car accident for the sake. Like, people will say the, most, the craziest of things. It's like, oh, you know, like this person passed away so that God can help make you lean on him in your relationship with him. More. Like what? No, like that's not how God works. But here's, so here's what you need to know. That thing that you went through, the heartbreak, the hardship, that storm, God didn't do it, but he can use it. Let me say it like this. If the enemy is stupid enough to put you through it, you need to be wise enough to let God use it. Use it, how? To teach you some stuff. And God will use everything if you'll pay attention to him. I wish I could tell you 
that it's only blessings. And can I tell you, there's some people, and this is why that pendulum swing happened, where it was prosperity. Because the people got out of hand with the prosperity stuff. But then the pendulum swung over here, and you have all these, like, there's a lot of young people right now, like a lot of college-age people who are like, no, God doesn't want to bless you. He doesn't want to prosper you. He doesn't want to provide for your needs. God doesn't want to do any of that. And I'm like, do you read your Bible? <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the good plans I have for you, declares the Lord, it's plans to prosper you. <laughs> okay, like, what about the good gifts that it talks about in the Gospels? <laughs> like, what about the fact that you're going to heaven forever? Like, that's a really great blessing, right? But what they've done is they go, oh, these people, like, they got out of hand with prosperity, and they swung way over here. So, like, it's only suffering. Like, you're going to suffer for Christ. Like, give your life to Jesus, and everything's going to suck. Like, what? No. Like, there will be blessings, and there will be burdens. We just need to learn to live in the tension of both. As the band heads up tonight, um, the last thing... I want to dig into that I notice here in John 3.16, the most famous verse in all the Bible, is this. Paradise and perishing. Paradise and, and perishing. What's like the coolest place you've been to in the whole world? Like the paradise type place. Me and Amber, we're finally, you guys, I'm Hawaiian. I've never been to Hawaii. We're finally going to Hawaii, you guys, next year. So excited. I will get off the plane, I'll take my shirt off, and it's not going back on for 10 days. I'll tell you that much right now. I will, I'm going to come back with such a great tan. Yeah, I'm going to surf, I'm going to snorkel, I'm going to hopefully see Sharky's friends, I'm going to hang out with all of them. It's going to be great. But in John 3.16, I mean, I wish it was just paradise. Like, don't you just wish it was just paradise? Like, how easy would that be to, like, sell to the world? Like, Jesus, God, it's just paradise. That's all it is. And you don't have to do anything. It's just, you just get it. It's free. Everybody. But it's just not what it says. There's both perishing and paradise. There's uh, eternal life and punishment. There's heaven and there's hell. And this is so important, you guys, because so much of the world wants to hit the delete button on hell. So much of the world wants to hit the delete button on sin. So much of the world wants to erase those sides of God, but you can't. We can't because we don't get to decide. We only get to discover. So remember the golden rule of hermeneutics? Scripture interprets Scripture. So John 3, 16, for, so, for God so loved the world, eternal life. Yes, but also Romans six twenty three, which says for the wages of sin is death. But wait, 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 here comes good news. But the free, who loves free stuff? Come on. Isn't it weird how food tastes better when it's free? I don't know how that works, but I'm sure it's in Proverbs somewhere. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. See, John 3, 16, Scripture, Romans, there is death and there's life. There's paradise and perishing. There's heaven and there's hell. There's grace and there's judgment. There's freedom from sin. And there's also punishment. And, like, we can't deny either side of God on this one. But here's the crazy thing. Really quick, uh, uh, who... When you were a kid, you got spanked. Who got spanked? Who got whipped when they were a kid? Okay, I don't even have to ask the other people, like, who didn't get spanked? or Because, like, we can tell, you know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> you ever in the grocery store, and the kid's, like, breaking stuff, and the mom's like, come on, don't do that, sweetie. She's like, shut up, mom. And I'm like Michael Jackson in the comments with the, with the popcorn, like, babe, hold up. 
Hold up, the Hot Pockets can wait. This kid's getting whooped right now. And then mom like gets on her hands and knees and goes, listen, Derek, you don't talk to mommy like that. I'm like, what the heck? My mom would be like, who do you think you are? I brought you into this world. I will take you out. Like that was my mom's favorite saying. She told me it was in the Bible. It's not. (laughs) But here's the crazy thing. It's like God, God is like, yes, I'll forgive you. But there's also punishment for sin. And that is holiness and it's love. And, like, three-year-olds understand this, you guys. Because, like, a three-year-old will get spanked, and then five minutes later, it's all love. It's like, let's laugh, let's play, like, give me a hug. Because they know. Like, punishment doesn't mean that they don't love you. But then here we are at, you know, 21 years old going, well, I don't believe in a God that would send people to hell. I don't believe in, oh, you don't believe in a God that would hold people accountable for their actions? Even, even when so lovingly he gave them an ark he gave them Jesus he gave them forgiveness of sin and said all you have to do is believe that's it but if you don't I'm holy so I still have to address the sin I wish as a pastor I could delete the perishing. And just it's all just paradise. Why, Corey? Why, why would you want to do that? Why? Because I'm sick and tired of officiating memorial services with questions in my heart of where they ended up. I've had too many friends who've passed away, and I don't know if they went to heaven. And gosh, I wish that it was just paradise and not perishing but it's just not what the Bible says. And we don't get to decide. We only get to discover. And I just, I I love you way too much. Whether you're here, you're watching online, I love you way too much to only tell you about half of who God is because a half truth is still a lie. I love you way too much to just go, oh, it's just paradise. But you go, wait, but what about the perishing that's in John 3? No, no, ignore that. It's just all paradise. It's just not what scripture says. And we have to start being people who live in the tension of the whole truth. Why? Because this is who God is and it's what his word says. And whether or not you believe in hell, it still exists. I just love you way too much to keep the truth from you that that place exists. Why? Why? Because to get in the paradise, it's so, so easy. How easy? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever just simply believes in him should not perish, but they'll have everlasting See, God traded his very best, Jesus, for our very worst. I'm going to give you the opportunity right now in this moment to express that belief, to put your belief, to put your faith in Jesus right now. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes?
God, would you speak to us right now? Soften our hearts. God, so near and dear to my heart in this moment right now is those who've been tiptoeing on the line of sin. Those who've been waiting and waiting and I'll get around to it. I'll get around to it. I'll do it later. But later becomes never. Today is the day of salvation. I pray, God, that you put that in the heart of every person here and soften our hearts. If you're here tonight and you would say, Pastor Corey, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to put my faith in him. I believe in him. I want to put my belief in him. So I know he's loving and I know he's holy. I want his blessings and I want to know that when I walk through the burden times of life, that he will walk with me. I want, par- I want paradise. I don't- I want to know that I know that the day that I die, that I'll be in heaven with God, with Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to respond right now in a really simple way. I'm going to count to three, and when I get to three, I just want you to lift one hand, and you can put it right back down. You might ask, well, Corey, how come you asked me to respond like that? I just think that when we respond on the outside to what's happening on the inside, it solidifies it in our hearts, in our lives, and in our souls. So if that's you, when I get to three, would you just lift your hand? I know that I'm, I'm, I'm being passionate. I'm being loud. And uh, I, the great D.L. Moody said, no one should ever be able to preach on the topic of hell without a, without a tear in their eye. We don't preach about hell with excitement, man. We preach about hell with reverence, just, man, with so much love, not wanting anybody to go to that place tonight if you want to give your life to Jesus you want to put your belief in him when I get to three you just put your hand up put it right back down I just want to know who I'm praying for here we go this is your moment this is your night one two three go all in this place want anybody else it's amazing so proud of you those hands went up so proud of you it's the best decision you'll ever make with your life now you can put your hands down The Bible's clear, like we confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and he rose from the dead and you'll be saved. That's it. We just simply put our belief in him and we start this journey with words that we say with our mouth, but we believe in our heart. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to pray. And you might be like, dude, I've never prayed. That's okay. I'm going to give you the words. And not only am I going to give you the words, but what we do here at Bridge Youth is we pray together. And so right now, every single person is going to pray with you if you just rose your hand. Would everybody in the room right here, and even those watching online, would you pray this? Would you repeat these simple words right after me? Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins, and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Hey, that's the best decision you could ever make with your life. I promise you that. I promise you that. It's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. 
and we want to walk these next steps out with you. So we've put together a free gift we want to give you called The Next Seven Days. Um, it's a simple tool that will help answer some of the questions that you might have. It will help you take the first steps on your faith journey. It's literally seven videos of me. I'll be on your tablet or your phone, preferably not on your smart TV in your living room with the surround sound on because anybody else hate the sound of their own voice. I hate it. But it will be me like just helping you walk through the next couple days of your faith journey. We feel like it's our responsibility, our obligation to do that. So if you would, before you leave tonight, go to our Instagram and just DM us the words next seven and we'll handle the rest. It's literally that easy. If you don't have Instagram, find myself, find one of our youth leaders, let them know, hey, I want to get next seven days, but I don't have Instagram and we'll find a way to get it to you. Hey, Bridge Youth, one more time. Can we welcome people into God's family? So cool. Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet? Would you head to the front? We're going to close in worship. Nobody distracting anybody. There's one more thing that I wanted to do tonight. Um, hey, did anybody, anybody have a nickname when they were growing up? Um, when I was growing up, I actually really hated my name. Like, I thought Corey was such a, like, a lame name. Here's what my real thought was, you guys. I had never met an adult that was named Corey. And so I always thought to myself, well, when I grow up, like, no one's going to take me seriously because my name's Corey, and I've never met an adult that's named Corey. I don't know if that came true or not. But in the second grade, I tried to go by my middle name. Now, my middle name is kind of unique because it's either Devin or it's Devon. And I asked my mom, mom, it, like, probably not but 10 years ago, I asked my mom, mom, is my middle name Devin or Devon? And my mom being the crazy lady that she is. Anybody else mom a little bit crazy? I think all moms have to be a little bit crazy, but like, they're also awesome, you know? My mom being like a little bit crazy was like, like, mom, Devin or Devon? She goes, oh, sweetie, either one. It's like, I had like a, an identity crisis. I was like, what? Who am I? <laughs> is it Devin or Devon? But second grade, I, I committed to, uh, I committed to Devon. And I tried to get the whole class to start calling me Devon. It didn't work. Why Devon? Like, why did you go with that? Because in the second grade, no joke. I remember. I remember Miss Neptune, my second grade teacher, asking me, Corey, why? Yeah, my second grade teacher's name is Neptune. Corey, why are you trying to get everybody to call you by your middle name, Devon? And I said, here's why, Miss Neptune. Devon is a sexy name. <laughs> second grade Corey said that. You know, this, uh, this series, I almost... We almost went with um, a series called The Nicknames of God because there's a ton of names in Scripture for God. They're kind of like nicknames. And one of them, um, the song we're about to sing is based on this name. It's the name Jehovah Jireh. And the, the word Jehovah Jireh, according to Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, is a nickname of God that means God the provider. Literally, it means the Lord will provide. And based on our content tonight, I'm just thinking some of us need some provision. God is love. And some people tonight need God to shower supernatural love over your life. For some, God is holy. And what you need is God to provide the strength to walk away from the sin you've been struggling with and to stop embracing that. And you need God to help come show you a way out. You know, scripture literally says that God will provide a way out and away from that thing that will destroy your life called sin. Maybe for some of you, here's a crazy thing. Crazy. Let me go back to the scripture real quick. I didn't even plan to do this, but, but it, it got, you know, when God speaks, you just want to 
You just want to obey what he's saying. Matthew 7, verse 11. So if you, sinful people, <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? God's not blessing me. Have you asked him? Have you asked him? God's not showering me in blessing. I see God showering everybody else with blessing. Have you asked him? Because that's what, that's what Matthew 7 verse 11 says. So tonight, you need blessing? You want blessing? Well, we're going to pray for that in just a moment. Because I believe God can and will provide it. But maybe tonight, it's not even about blessings. You're just, you're going, like you are carrying burdens. And it's a tough season. And what you need God to provide is strength and hope to carry on. So we're going to pray for that too. Would you do me a favor? Would you do this? Put your hands right out in front of you. Close your eyes. You're the only, it's just you and God right now. Come on, your hands are out in front of you like you're going to receive something from God. Let's pray. Jehovah Jireh, God, to those who need love, would you provide and shower love over their life right now, supernaturally. Pray those who haven't felt love in years, right now they'll feel love. God, I pray for those who need provision of a way out to get away from that sin that's been plaguing their life. God, would you provide supernatural strength to them? God, would you show them the door that's already creaked open? That's the avenue, the path, the way out of the thing that they've been struggling with. God, I pray for those who tonight decided to stop embracing their sin and to start struggling with it and to push forward out of it. God, would you provide a way out, God? I pray right now, God, for those who want blessing, God, who have things in their heart. You said in your word in Psalm 37 and verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You said in Matthew 7 verse 11 that those who ask, those are the ones who you bless. So right now we ask you. God, I ask for blessing over the people in this room right now. We don't just ask that you would provide needs. We ask that you would provide above and beyond all that we could ever ask, imagine, or dream of. Not so that we could be selfish, not so that we can hoard blessing, but so that we could be conduits of blessing to those around us. And God, I also pray for those who are carrying burdens, those who are struggling, those who are going through a storm right now. God, I pray in Jesus' name, give them hope. God, I pray in Jesus' name, give them strength to keep going. God, I pray in Jesus' name, be the wind in their sails that propels them forward. And lastly, God, we just thank you that you already provided Jesus so that we could have paradise, that we shouldn't have to perish. And right now, what we do, now not just with hands in front of us, but with hands lifted high all across this room, we worship you for who you are. You're Jehovah Jireh. You're the provider. And we praise you right now. We love you. You are good. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, sing this out. I will never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up. So there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Coming through the storm, but I won't go down. I hear 
just lift those hands as we sing and we dwell in his love. He says that even if he dressed in the lilies, how much more will he love you? Come on, let's sing that out, every voice. that I say I know things when I actually don't. How often do we think we know things about God? We actually don't. And I think in this series that Corey's been sharing, who is God? We thought we knew God, or I know, but really, if you think about it, you didn't. And I'm older than you guys. I'm a leader in this room and I'm still learning. I said I know to the lead pastor. Like, oh yeah, I know. And I, like, no, I don't know. Like, what am I talking about? So I wanna encourage you guys. Sometimes we think we know, but we don't. And that's okay. Let's keep moving forward. Let's keep learning more. And let's say something else I learned to don't say I know. Next time I need to say, oh, I believe that. Or yeah, I hear you. Or something in response instead of saying I know. So I just wanna encourage you guys. Learn from my lesson of my mistake. Don't tell your lead pastor you know when you don't actually know. And tonight, let's give it up for everyone who gave their lives to Christ. It's awesome. We're stoked. Best decision ever. Make sure and DM us next seven if you made that decision tonight. And if you don't have Instagram, like Corey said, find a leader. We'll email you. We'll text you. We'll email your parent, whatever needs to happen. All right, guys. It was a great night. We'll see you Sunday. Have a good night. <laughs>